All right. You ready to get started? I am so ready. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Book Babes where we welcome back all the unbound, unhinged, and unbothered book babes that are joining us for another weekly news roundup of what's going on in the bookish world. So, Bobby, what's going on in your bookish world? What'd you read today? This week, not just today. As <laughs> I say, it's early. I haven't read anything today. I crawl out of bed and took shower. Let's congratulate me for doing that because showers can sometimes... Show off. <laughs> yeah, showers can be hard. <laughs> I started, I put a pause on reading The Assassin's Blade because we had thought we were going to talk about Madam this week. So I started reading Madam and 30% of the way through. Madam is the last book of The Salacious Players Club by Sarah Kate. We talked about it last week. Yeah, so I started that. What are you reading? Nice. And it, Man, I didn't read a whole lot this week. I picked up several books, put them back down, got 2% in, put them back down. Oh, yeah. Those are my vibes right now, too. One of those those weeks of, like, I can't get into anything. However, I did have a long drive, and I did listen to, I think, the majority of Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. Hmm. Are you, like, an empower? You know, I, (laughs) I... I like it until i remember that it's a memoir and then i'm like "Mm." i don't know you have to remember that a memoir is one's own memories of their life through the lens of their reflection yeah so how accurate isn't it right and then add on top of that that you're twisting your memories into like life lessons and like how did you grow i don't know man is it it's a fairly inspirational book, right? Yeah. But based on the idea of like, take the risk, do the thing, gamble on yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you have Matthew McConaughey, who's a multi-billionaire living this incredible life being like, just say yes to the experience, just do it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. And how true are these particular stories, right? How true is the story of him? in the middle of South America or the middle of Africa or in Australia. Like, how do you know how true those stories are? Is it sensationalized? Yeah. That's the word I've been searching for for a week now. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. That's why we have a podcast to talk about. (laughs) You know, know, and I think that, that, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that the one memoir like that, that I've read by a man so let me let me say that this because i've read a couple but the majority of them are typically by women so i've read girl boss and i've read um girl wash your face or something um i i haven't read the second one in that but i listened to kevin hart's and i don't care i I, kevin hart can be problematic right for some people but he's i love comedians He's hilarious. He is. He is hilarious. And a lot of his hilarity can come from a, like a self-deprecating place because he's, he's like, I'm small, you know, and makes fun of himself for being small. And I found his book so entertaining because he read it. He had all these inflections and stuff. And it was like listening to him tell stories, like just sitting around a bonfire. I don't know if Kevin Hart would ever sit around a bonfire. 
but wherever. <laughs> like, but just like listening to your crazy friends' funny stories from around. And of course, he had some like, like really heartfelt ones because he was really close with his mother and he really loved his mom. And so, like, he talks about that relationship and, and losing her and stuff like that. Um, but it was so funny and entertaining. I, yeah. I read so, about that. That's the other thing is Matthew McConaughey, he doesn't have, he skips over a couple of really like big bombshells. Like he drops them and skips right past them. Um, but his is mostly just adventures. This is just the adventures of my life. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I've, I've read several memoirs now and I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't, man. You know, how much of this stuff is made up in memoirs? Just to make it more interesting. Just to, you're writing about yourself. How? I don't know. Are memoirs real? I don't think so. I just. <laughs> right? You're taking the, the framework of your life, putting it into a book, and I don't know if I'll read another memoir. They seem fake. Yeah. They seem more fantasy than SJM. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a memoir of my life and just name it a memoir of nobody. And then see what happens. Because it's just like your average Joe writes a memoir about shit that's happened in their life. And does that sell as well? Does that, you know, invoke this less sensationalized situation? Does it actually feel more tangible as a as another person? Like I didn't make a million dollars in my life, but I still get I still get to reflect on my life and write it in the pages of a book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways... That's my gripe with memoirs now. Is it's just the human memory is so fickle, and then to write something about your own childhood fifty years after it happened, like you know, no sometimes you I feel way. like I remember my childhood memories better than I remember what happened yesterday because I have had so much time to sit there and think about those instances and that they were instilled in me before my mind was stuffed full of all this, you know, outward perception and this. Uh, you know, social and media in media yeah and alcohol <laughs> so <laughs> i they just like stay better and they're more clear because like i promise you i'm not being too i'm not doing too crazy here keep listening i promise you i have memories of being stung by a bee when i was three years old i have memories of me falling getting pushed off a trampoline and breaking my head open these traumatic experiences and i vividly remember them and yeah. there are some other experiences that are less vivid like playing uh red light green light with my mom and my sister in the driveway but i was young i was like the house that we were living in i was like sub five um i think we moved out when i was four but we lived there from like i was like four so a couple of years and i didn't talk a lot until i was like three i just like listened and observed like people thought there was something wrong with me there, there probably is but we we know that now if you listen to this podcast Literally. there's something wrong with me undiagnosed something that's totally fine but but bobby won't get it diagnosed because she doesn't like spoilers uh yeah and the fact that i don't have money for that rich people get diagnosed like that's, that's just how i feel in life is that rich people get diagnosed it's how our u.s medical system works um i feel like because I didn't talk I I just watched things so much that they're like burned into my brain because I wasn't saying anything to obstruct these memories I was just watching them happen and laughing I've always laughed I'm a big laugher. that's an interesting perception of not talking as much and being able to like 
watch the moment. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to go off on a tangent about memories and memoirs. Sorry. Yeah, I did that. That was my thing. Obviously, Matthew McConaughey is like a great performer, right? And he reads his own memoir, so it's very interesting. Who else would you get to read it? Yeah. But man, I don't know about memoirs anymore. They all seem fake. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably read some more. I will too. On to bookish news. Bookish news this week. Some big updates. In the world of books, the National Book Awards ceremony, we chatted a couple weeks ago. Um, Drew Barrymore was asked not to host that for being a scab. We threw our hat in the ring to host it. Um, Unfortunately, they chose LeVar Burton. So I'm sure we were runners up. Tough choice between us and him. Um, We've done 12 episodes. He's... (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think you were getting there. I was like, can you tell us a little bit about LeVar Burton for those people who, who did not know? Because I didn't recognize him at first. And then I, I read the article and I was like, oh, this person. Okay, okay, okay. This can be acceptable. <laughs> so could you? Could yeah. So why do we, why do we care that LeVar Burton's hosting? So he's had a couple of famous roles, the big one being Gerordi, I should look this up, Gerordi LaForge in Star Trek The Next Generation, if you're a big Trekkie fan, live long and prosper. But probably his most famous role to millennials and Gen X would be his time hosting The Reading Rainbow on PBS, Commander LaForge. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't have cable as a kid, he was probably a staple of your childhood. On PBS, him and Arthur and DW. Reading Rainbow. I'm pretty sure that song's copyrighted, otherwise, we absolutely would be playing it right now. But I think Bobby looked it up and even Reading Rainbow's trying to sue LeVar Burton. Yeah, so LeVar Burton is being sued for Reading Rainbow copyright. This was in 2020. Yeah, so we should say Reading Rainbow one more time just to see if they'll sue us. <laughs> Give us some attention. <laughs> And what is that? All publicity is good publicity or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I got I got another topic about that. But oh, uh <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Anyways, that's why we're not playing that song. I hope it pops into your head, a moment of silence to listen to it. Yeah, the powers that be don't won't let us listen to that. If, however, you're looking for a little dose of nostalgia with LeVar Burton, he has his own podcast. Reading, what is it called? LeVar Burton Reads, where he just picks uh, some short stories, reads them out loud to you. The only thing all of the books that have in common on his podcast, he enjoyed them. (laughs) That's good. I'm glad he enjoyed them. And so he also hosted back in 2019, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, he hosted back in 2019, and his statement for being selected uh, and repla- to replace Drew Barrymore, it's an honor to return as the host of the biggest night for books. I don't know. Every night's a pretty big night for me when I get to snuggle in with a book, but pop yep. off, son. <laughs> Especially in a moment when the freedom to read is at risk. <laughs> uh, Why do you laugh at that? <laughs> Because there's no risk to reading. The risk is like social media and other entertainment. Like, come on. Nobody's taking books out of your hands. They're just not putting them in your hands. And you not put your hands on anything you want to read. Yeah, there's the internet for a reason. And, and look, um, 
There's independent booksellers that don't have to subscribe to, you know, anything that maybe Barnes and Noble has to because, you know, people are buying placements at Barnes and Nobles and Barnes and Nobles has tried to fix that recently. They were trying to do more of a selection chosen by the workers at that local store. But yeah, that yeah, they want to try and have more of a feel of of like your your small town local bookstore. But because uh, Barnes and Wolves was die, right? So oh yeah, so they're they tried to change it up a little bit, and with that, there's still people publishers buying placements, right? So your your library might be banning stuff. Your big box store might be your local isn't. You can buy oftentimes you can buy books directly off of um, authors' websites. So if if you can do that, like no nobody the freedom to read what you want in a convenient fashion is probably at risk because libraries are very convenient to those in, in smaller, poorer communities, but they also don't have okay, libraries. But do you think Colleen Hoover should be on the shelves of every library and public school st- district? Okay, I don't. Do you know. think the Den of Vipers should be on the shelf? Absolutely not. At these, that's a terrible like, thing, by the way. I'm not like that. <laughs> some books and some material belong behind a paywall. Not everything is safe for public consumption. I agree with that. I agree with people should be smarter about choices. And there's a little bit of discernment that goes along with reading. It requires a little bit of intelligence. Let's not, right? Yep. And we know, I've said it many times, there's a literacy issue in the States. Oh, absolutely. Even people that can read. um, I get words mixed up all the time. Same. But I mean, I don't know, man, right? There's a lot of controversy around books. And we've done a couple of episodes about how hard it is to make money as an author. So I don't know. Let's start from the beginning. Do you Have you ever heard of the Streisand effect? No, please enlighten me. So the Streisand effect is an unattended, unintended consequence of attempts to hide, remove, or censor information, where that effort instead backfires by increasing awareness. So the more you try to hide something, the more attention it gets, right? So telling lies. A simplified, yeah, a simplified version would be like, don't think of a pink elephant. What's the first thing you're going to think of? Pink elephant car wash in, in Tacoma, Washington. as soon as somebody's like whoa 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 don't look behind this curtain what do you want to do i want to look behind the curtain that's the streisand effect and it it's named after barbara streisand who attempted to suppress the california coastal records projects photograph of her clifftop residence in malibu california taken to document california coastal erosion inadvertently drew greater attention to the photographs and her cliffside home in 2003. Okay. So with that little bit of background information, right? The more you tried to hide something, the more attention it draws. And with the background of being an author, doesn't pay well. I would argue that if I had a book and I wanted to draw, draw attention to it, I just might try to get it banned from a library by bringing up the attention that maybe this book doesn't belong in a library, but... I wanted the name. I wanted in every newsletter. I wanted on the CNN. I wanted on Fox News. If I want people talking about my book, and I know maybe it doesn't belong in a public school, 
I'm going to try to get into public school. Intelligent people would be like, hey, man, you should ban that book. And now it's on the lips of everybody talking about books every week on a banned book list. Wait, what? This happened? I don't know if they're... I'm not claiming these authors are doing it, but if I was publicizing, if I wanted to publish a book, I don't think my book would be public school. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I see your vibes. You wanted free. If you wanted free attention for a book, I didn't try try to slip it into a place it didn't belong. Well, nope, no, I wouldn't. Nope, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, (laughs) that. My bad. <laughs> See? I meant I might try to submit it to a public school district when I knew it shouldn't be. Anyways, you see where I'm going with this, right? This like maybe the banned book list is a little more manufactured. That than we than we think is compelling and interesting because there's a lot of books that are older on that list, right? There's there's a lot of older books that are aren't garnering a ton of attention anymore because their releases were like a decade or more ago so that is quite quite interesting to keep them relevant that'd be a tactful way for a publisher to uh uh promote them again yeah i'm not saying i'm not saying anybody's doing that here's the game we just I'm created just the conspiracy theory for the book it's just a thought it's just a thought that I've never also, thought of. That is I actually genius. Thank you, Kristen, for uh, enlightening the public that this could be a possibility. A very easy thing to hide and do. Fact. In plain sight. But also, I've never read a single book on the banned book list. I couldn't even make it through 1984. I bark notes the ending. <clears throat> yeah, that one's a little rough. I've read, like, Fahrenheit Oh, I should have read it. I mean, Fahrenheit 451, which I love. Um... It's one of my favorite books. I have a tattoo like that for it. And then I did you know Akatar is technically on a banned book list? And the first one's not even that. The first one's YA. Like it's not even it's a shitty retelling yeah, of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but you can't have part of a series in the library. That seems more cruel than just banning the whole series. That's a good point. <laughs> Anyways, on the topic of banned books and books that shouldn't be in public schools, did you hear Colleen Hoover's book, It Ends With Us, is being made into a movie? I did hear that. We mentioned it in an episode, I think. I have no idea. I'm such a good listener. (laughs) I think I did mention it in an episode a couple weeks ago. Well, it's all brand new to me. All right, let's (laughs) talk about it. Expected release is sometimes in 2024. Now, if you don't know who Colleen Hoover is, or Coho, as her fans call her, I don't blame you. She has been on the bestseller charts for months. Yeah. Like, multiple books, months in a row. Um, And when you get that kind of popularity, man, you're going to get praise and critics, right? Controversy out the ass. Yep. Okay, first and foremost, before we dive into this, I've never read a Colleen Hoover book. Tons of opinions, though. Same. It's just who I am as a person. Yep. I've <laughs> never read a Colleen Hoover book. I do not want to. I think the hype is too strong. I've had people tell me some of her books are really good. My best friend reads them. She's like, Bobby, you got to read this one. And I'm just like, 
I'm not interested. There's so many other things I want to read, and that's not one of them ever. Now, is the reason behind that just the hype, or why don't you want to read Colleen Hoover? I think it has a lot to do. I mean, obviously, you're fine with hype. You read SJM. Yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with how fast she churns out books, how many books she has in such a short amount of time. Um, I'm like, how unique are they? I also am notorious. My way to go into a book is blind. I am a blind reader. I pick up a book and I don't read the synopsis. Well, that's not true. If I buy a book, sometimes I'll read the synopsis. But by the time I read it, it's sat on my shelf so long. I'm like, I like this at one point for some reason or another. Let me buy it or let me finally read it. Um, But I typically go into books blind. Like I'm just like, oh, I'll read like two sentences of the blurb and I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to read it. And then if I don't like it, I typically finish it anyways. I'm trying to get better about having a DNF. So I just do not commit. Somebody on somebody on TikTok called it DNR and I'm here for that. I know. <laughs> I like that one. I think you sent me that video. I was cracking up. I was like, yep, this is the preferred ac- uh, acronym now. But yeah, I don't know. I just am not drawn to her. Her all of her covers yes. look the fucking same. Um, <laughs> like they're I just like how unique are these? Like I, uh, I just I there's something so you just have to read one of them. Yeah, I'm probably not going to though. So <laughs> I, I and look, I get I know people who really like her stuff, and that's cool. But I just and we're about to hurt all of your feelings. So buckle up, Buttercup. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm about I'm about to hurt somebody's feelings. So Hoover writes romance novels and psychological thrillers. Now, the one thing I'm guessing all of her books are romance novels and psychological thrillers. Like I like you said, they're all very similar. So I don't think one's a romance and one's a psychological thriller. I'm guessing they're all placed in both genres at the same time. I I think. Some of them are separate, I think, based on what I know from, like, conversations with Paige is, like, Verity is probably more psychological thriller, but has a romance in it. And then there's other ones that are strictly romance, but I think you're right that a lot of them could fall between both. Perfect. For oversimplification purposes, all of her books are romance slash psychological thrillers. That's how we're going to move forward with it. Perfect. (laughs) Make shit up. We've never read them. I mean, I make shit up all the time. I should write a memoir. <laughs> you should write a memoir that is just you making up a bunch of shit and adding life lessons to it. And then the last pages, I made all this shit up. Thanks for reading. Ah, Ooh, I'll call it psych. <laughs> yes. Do it. Okay. Back to seriousness, Bobby. Stop distracting me. Super sorry. It's early. <laughs> Okay, so her book, It Ends With Us, just quick background, published in 2016, but obviously resurrected by social media. Like I said, the movie releases in 2024, starring Blake Lively Yep, as Lily. And now that I say that out loud, I think you're right. I think we have talked about this. Yep. Because I adore Blake Lively. Mm-hmm. Um, and Justin Baldoni is both directing it and starring as Ryle, uh, who I believe is a neurosurgeon. Okay, so again... Colleen Hoover Coho is incredibly popular on social media. 94,000 followers on Facebook. 1.4. Oh my God, look at that guy. Absolutely. I'm here for it. I might watch the movie. Yeah, he's, uh, his hair. Yeah. And his eyes. 
I didn't know who he was, but I wanted to look up his face, <laughs> his whole being. <laughs> like his vibe. <laughs> She's got 1.4 million followers on TikTok and like six videos. What the fuck? Yeah. She is also the second most followed author on Goodreads behind, any guesses? Who do you think is number one? I read your notes. <laughs> Sorry. You could have. You could have just jumped in with two feet and read it verbatim. Oh, that's a freaking king. St Steven. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, I screw that up every time. I went to school with a kid who was Stefan, not Steven, <laughs> and it was spelled the same fucking way. I can't. I can't not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Steven freaking king. Okay. Well, it's Stefan now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Fuck, I love it. Okay, so she's... Okay, so, okay, back to what you said about churning out books, though, right? Yeah. Stephen King's got, like, a couple hundred books out. I know. It's fine. No, that was James Patterson. I'll, I'll Google it. I don't know. Let's be honest. If you're an author, it really comes down to quantity over quality. She was also named one of Time's most influential people of 2023. Like, top of the top for popularity, right? It doesn't wow. get much more popular than this. However, with said popularity comes a lot of criticism, right? Some of the complaints people have made about her books are that they promote and glamorize domestic violence. So... <laughs> Pop off. <laughs> First, going back to Stephen King, number of books, over 65 novels and novellas. He has written over 200 oh, short stories. He has written over 200 short stories. Okay, so he... Yeah, boys and girls, if you're going to be an author, it's really about quantity. Yeah, so here's the thing about... I just realized when you read that. The people who read Colleen Hoover are not the same people who read stuff like... Den of Vipers. D uh, that's a yeah. I hated the ending of that book, and it, but like the the haunting Adelaide. Haunting Adelaide. Yeah, exactly. So, like, a lot of the books that I read are romantic, but, but they're romance. So yeah, I read rom coms or I read romantic that is enemies to lovers, probably some dark shit, probably violence and bloodshed and wars and like. Mm fucking slow burns like oh i read a lot of slow burns too <laughs> but oh, i love i love that drawn out angst and anticipation and like all this fucked up shit happening and then the people coming and then the people rising over the top and like i don't know so like this we're just not the same we're not the same type of reader <laughs> agreed so I think it's hilarious that people are like promotes and glamorizes domestic violence. I was like, well, has she been as the main female character been tied up in a dungeon? Blood just slices all over her body. Just like and just angry and mad and like, I'm gonna get back at you and I'm gonna fuck you up and then I'm gonna fall in love with you. And then like the obviously I don't want anyone to do that to me, but it's just a book. <laughs> it's a story. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Can you say that louder? Men for the reading these men that traditionally do all the violence. Why? Why? They're not reading these. There's there's not like a manual for a man because they don't pick up a column. Some might, but like, 
that every guy who's gonna abuse his partner is gonna read a Colleen Hoover book. They're not a manual for them. And I don't think they glamorize anything because at the end, don't they like, I don't know, I've never read a book. Somebody tell me in the comments, like, does she stay with the person who's beating the shit out of her? Or does she find somebody new to protect her? Like, what are you I, about? I think in this particular book, she does leave. It takes a long time. So the thing is, is that... That's reality, Ether, though. Right. If you've ever been in a relationship like that, known somebody that's in a relationship like that, I don't think these books glamorize it. I think they remind you that you're not alone. Yeah. And still being in love with somebody that treated you like that. Yeah. And like the struggle of getting out of it. Yeah. I would... But to say that a, a book promotes and glamorizes is the message island is to say that their readers have no power of discernment or intelligence to be like, hmm, this might be bad. And I think it just really talks down to readers when we say that a book promotes yeah. those types of ideals i would be like really agree your readers aren't smart enough to figure out that this isn't true love like come on come on come on yeah i get out of here that's out hilarious here. you know because i do know there's several people that i i know that read her books because they've been in a relationship like that and it was you know Sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not alone. Yeah. And I don't think Colleen writes these to promote that type of behavior because she shared that she grew up in a life like this. Yeah. Right? And so she's writing From what she knows. Yeah. Almost like therapy more than not to promote and glamorize it. Get out of here with your bad self. Yeah, this is more about the person who makes that comment than it does about Colleen. Amen. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. The other thing is, is they say that these books shouldn't be labeled as romance because they don't fit the mold and are being marketed as something they're not. We've talked about how before, like, you can literally write a book and call it whatever the fuck you want because you wrote it. Yep. Like, yep. it's romance. There's the romantical element to it. Romance category. Like, you can right. be hey, one of them category. Like, <laughs> there's also some guys out there that treat women like this and they call it romance. And you're right. Yeah, Alice marketing. <laughs> it's a thing in our world. You know, I mean, I just, I feel like people, these particular critics, sure, maybe it's not your cup of tea, right? Whatever. But I feel like these critics, I feel like they're just not getting what the books are laying down. Like, they're just not picking up what Colleen's laying down. And my question is, say you don't get it. Are they just saying shit to stir the pot and get people to read more of their stuff? Reviews. Reviews yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they just don't seem, I don't know, Colleen's side of it aside, I don't know, saying this type of shit makes me think that you're, you're talking down to readers, right? Yeah. What is the term that I'm looking for? Like, you're like, you just assume that they're stupid. They can't figure it out on the on their own. Like, I don't know. I don't either. I should read a book once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got for this news weekly roundup it was less news and more opinions but we got there yeah i still think it's very good to have a discussion about because i don't feel though i've not i'm not gonna read a colleague hoover book and i haven't i based on what i know people are being extra yeah i mean i think i know i'm pretty sure our listeners are smart enough to know that a book is a book mm -hmm. and it's sure. entertainment it's not um, it's not 
instructions to live your life by. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, unless it's literally a manual to put something together. But yeah. <laughs> that's not a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's get out of here before I talk myself in a hole. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening this week. Uh, be sure to check out Friday's episode because we're going to talk more folklore and we are going to talk about Japanese folklore in relation to one of my favorite trilogies, Shadow of the Fox by Julie Kagawa. So come back and learn some shit.